good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing Angels from the Realms of Glory and then Oh Holy Night. Angels from the realms of glory wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation story now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. All creation join in praising God the Father, Spirit, Son. Evermore your voice is raising to the eternal three in one. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error biding, till he appeared and the soul felt its birth. A thrill of For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O oh, King. The angel voices, O oh, night Chorus raise we let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise. 
good to have you in the Lord's house this Christmas Eve morning. As we start off our worship hour this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of coming to worship. We thank you for the church that you have provided for us, the facilities, the fellowship of believers. And I pray that you would help us this morning as we focus in on you, lifting you up and exalting you. I pray that you'd help us to have sincere hearts. If there be one person here that does not know you as their savior, I pray that through the service today, they would understand their need and feel your tugging, your wooing, that they might come to salvation even this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Every 
Would you please stand? Together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing one of our praise songs, Living Hope, and then a Christmas chorus, Emmanuel. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness poured through the shadows of my soul. Finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages. Down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me Jesus yours is the victory hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on Christ, my living hope, Jesus Christ, my living hope, God, you are my living hope, Emmanuel.
some interviews. First week, we took some time to hear Mary. She talked to us about her circumstances and what she faced, and we were able to draw from that and really learn some things about faith. And then the next week, we saw Joseph, and Joseph talked about his circumstances and what he dealt with and what he had to face, and we really were able to draw from that some lessons on obedience. And just being willing to do what God asked us to do. 
This morning, we're going to see an interview with the shepherds, or a shepherd. And this shepherd is also going to share with us his experience, what, how he saw things and what transpired. And from that shepherd, we learn something about service. Because that's really what a shepherd is, is a servant. So let's listen to the interview. Abraham, father of the Hebrew nation. Father Abraham. Did you know he was a banker? No, just joking. He was a priest. Nope, joking again. What did the mighty Father Abraham do? He was a nomadic shepherd. He had other kinds of animals too, but he was a sheep herder. Jacob renamed Israel and his sons. They were rich. They were probably bankers or lawyers, right? No? Shepherds. In fact, when they settled in Egypt, the Pharaoh and Joseph sent them to the faraway, remote, sparse lands of Goshen, because that land was bad for farmers but good for shepherds. Egyptians despised shepherds. Moses, greatest of all the prophets, giver of the law. Surely he was a trained banker, lawyer, judge. No, shepherd. For 40 years, when he saw the, the burning bush, tending sheep. Stunning coincidence, three of the greatest Jewish men of all time, revered by every Jew. They were all shepherds. Throughout most of time, light was only provided by the sun, moon, and crude lamps. Very few jobs required a regular night shift. One special night, being a vigilant shepherd had an unfathomable benefit. Now let's discuss King David, the preeminent king of Israel. Maybe the richest man who ever lived. The blessed Messiah is supposed to come from his family. Prior to being a king, King David was surely a banker, lawyer, judge, doctor. You know where I'm going with this. Politician, CEO, maybe he traded stocks and bonds. No, 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 and and no. Not only was David a shepherd, he thought of himself in that way even after he was king. The four greatest, most influential, infamous, illustrious, renowned Jewish men in the history of our people. Shepherds. All shepherds. With that in mind, you would guess that the Jews of my day revere shepherds. One of the only benefits of being a shepherd is being awake at night, especially during lambing season. Jerusalem, dark. It's too expensive to have lights. Bethlehem, dark. Even Herod's palace at Herodium is dark, but the people in those places are asleep. Shepherds are awake, protecting our sheep, waiting to help the ewes who are about to deliver lambs. Like King David, 
I don't feel much like King David most nights. Nothing really changes except the seasons. But it's so peaceful. The whole world is asleep, except for us. If you stare at a star, it appears to get brighter. Have you ever noticed that? One night, I'm doing exactly that. Staring. And staring. Is it getting brighter? Wait, is it? It is getting brighter. Wait, wait, it's an angel. And we shepherds got to see him. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy to all people. Today, a savior is born in Bethlehem, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign that you've found him. You will find a baby in swaddling clothes, lying in a feeding trough. The stars seem to explode. It's like every one of them becomes an angel. Untold numbers of angels in the sky. The sky, the air, it's all of it just reverberating with their voices of praise. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. It might be seconds, minutes, hours. Time seemed to stand still. We thrill in the experience. Shepherds, honored, honored beyond belief by our Lord God in heaven. Honored like Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David. The angels fade away, the stars reappear. We walk to one another, form a speechless shepherd group. Silent night. Then out of the dark, one whispers, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what has come to pass, that which the Lord has made known to us. Shepherds, the Lord makes it known to us. Not priests, not kings. Shepherds. I'm going to take us to Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you verses 1 down through 15. And here we see the account that this shepherd just talked about. The text tells us it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there went in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which should be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd be with us as we look into this text. I pray that you would help us to draw from it truths that we ourselves might be able to meditate upon, contemplate, even apply to our lives, that we might be servants, even as a shepherd. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we look at this text, we find these shepherds upon the hillside just outside of Bethlehem. Still today, you can go to Bethlehem and outside of what is now no longer a village but a city, there are still grazing fields and shepherds who work those fields. In fact, you can go and uh, if your particular tour decides to take you, you can go out and you can go to the caves that they still bring the sheep to when there's bad weather. It's still very much a part of the culture and the society of that day, of that place, even still today. So when we come to meet the shepherd in this text, we're meeting people who do what people have done for centuries and centuries of time. In fact, when you drive through Israel and you look upon the hillsides, you notice lines cut into the hillsides. And I can remember asking our tour guide one time, what are those lines? The very first time I went to Israel, what are those lines on the hillsides? You see them everywhere. And he explained to us that so many centuries of sheep have been brought across the hillsides that it has created little paths cut into the hillsides of, their, of where their hooves went. It's a part of that world. A shepherd simply is a, a servant, a servant to the sheep. And the interesting thing about the idea that we are introduced to shepherds in this text, and that shepherds are the very first ones who go to visit the Christ child, is the reality that shepherds are such a part of the history of Israel, going all the way to Jesus himself. Even as this shepherd mentioned, going back to Abraham and coming all the way up through, you find shepherd after shepherd after shepherd, when you come to Bethlehem, Bethlehem is that, that home of David, who was a shepherd. Bethlehem means, the, the very Hebrew word for Bethlehem is house of bread. 
You and I, when we think about a place of sustenance, a place of provision, we maybe think of a grocery store or Costco or a super Walmart. These people, they thought about communities where people gathered, raised animals. They're very much of an agricultural society. Bethlehem, not only a place where shepherds lived and there was a village, today a city. Bethlehem also is a place that was prophesied to bear the Messiah, the Savior. In fact, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 in the Old Testament says, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old and from everlasting. This is called a messianic text. It's a text that points to the coming Messiah. And it says the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem Ephraim. This house of bread within Ephraim, the Hebrew word meaning a place of bounty, plenty. So it automatically kind of ties us to the culture, the thinking, the times. Agriculture, provision, sheep, house of bread, the birthplace of the Messiah. When we think about the text in Micah, it references the fact that he is from the time of old and everlasting. He uses the strongest phrase in the Hebrew to reference something that has always been. Talking about Christ. Christ would be born in Bethlehem, in this place of the house of bread, this place of agriculture, this place with shepherds and uh, provision. There the Messiah would be provided. This house of even David, such an important part of the Hebrew culture, the thinking of the people. The Messiah, anointed, chosen, sent by God there to a little village called Bethlehem. Psalms 90 verses 1 and 2 says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So what you find is not only in this text, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, is there a reference to Christ being everlasting? But Psalms 90 references that Christ is from everlasting. And even when you come to the New Testament in the Gospels, John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. It again references that Christ, the Messiah, has been forever. So when this shepherd talks about going down to see the Christ child in this village of Bethlehem, this shepherd whose very occupation means to serve and to minister, serving and ministering sheep, as they go down to see this Christ child, they're going to see God in the flesh. God everlasting, who has been sent to be born so that he might 
die for your sins and my sins. But the interesting thing is when we meet these shepherds, all of a sudden they're going to go and meet a shepherd. Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, that he himself is a shepherd. And you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, I remember he's the son of a carpenter. And that is absolutely true. And I'm sure he was taught the trade as a carpenter as he was growing up there in Nazareth. But he calls himself a shepherd. Because he didn't come to build houses. He didn't come to repair doors or gates. He came to minister. Remember, that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd simply ministers. In fact, the, the, the Greek word pastor comes from that Hebrew word shepherd, which simply means servant, minister. So you and I, when we start to think about Jesus Christ lying in that manger, born a babe, and these shepherds coming to see them, they're coming to meet the great shepherd. In fact, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So we find that the text tells us that Jesus Christ is that great everlasting shepherd of the sheep. He came to minister to you and I. He came to give himself for us. Even as a shepherd would care for his flock, even sacrifice himself to protect them, our Lord Jesus Christ came to care for us. Christ calls himself in John chapter 10, verses 11 and 14, he calls himself the good shepherd. You and I, when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, we think of the good shepherd, the one who cares for us. In fact, he teaches us he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He teaches us that he'll walk through the very valley of the shadow of death with us. He teaches us that he is from everlasting to everlasting, and he will always be there for us. So as we look in this text, we're reminded that as a shepherd comes, a servant, he comes to meet a servant, our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25 says, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. So talking about Jesus Christ, Peter, the apostle, he says Jesus Christ is that shepherd Bishop of your soul. What a powerful turn of phrase as God inspires him to write those words. Because a shepherd is a pastor, a minister. A bishop is also a pastor, but it's a different Greek word. Pastor, shepherd, is a servant. Bishop, pastor, is a leader. You find in the New Testament there's three references to pastors. You have elders, bishops, and pastors. 
They're all the same job, but they each reflect a different part. That elder being one who mentors and cares for and helps, guides and teaches. The pastor being the servant, the one who cares for, watches over, helps. The bishop being the one who oversees, he governs, he manages. All three of those things are a different part of the role. But it's so interesting when you come to the text that it references Jesus, the shepherd and bishop of our soul. So all of a sudden, those shepherds from the hillside who come down and they see Jesus Christ there in the manger, they're meeting Jesus the shepherd. Not just shepherd, but bishop of our soul. Remember I told you that bishop is a little twist on being a pastor. It's the, the managerial end of pastoring. And so Christ is not only he that came to serve and to sacrifice and to give himself for many. But he is also the bishop of our soul in that when we put our faith and trust in him. He is our king. He is our Lord. It's an interesting text in 1 Timothy 6.15 that calls the Lord Jesus Christ the potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. The word potentate is a word that means ruler, authority. So Jesus Christ goes from the babe in the manger the shepherd minister, that bishop who governs and oversees, to being called the potentate, the all-powerful sovereign. It's really complicated when you start thinking about Jesus. When you start thinking about the babe in the manger. When you start to understand the texts, the scriptures, the prophecies, the reflections in the New Testament of who Jesus Christ is and what he came to do. While it may appear complicated, it really is so very simple. He's a servant. He came to serve you and to serve me that we might have eternal life. So much so that he was willing to go to the cross and die for us. But when we put our faith and trust in him as our shepherd, as our savior, as our Messiah, then we yield. And we say, yes, Lord, you are my bishop. You are my potentate. You are the sovereign God. This morning as we come on this Christmas Eve morning. My goal, my objective in introducing you to the shepherd and going to the scriptures that talk about the shepherd and reflecting on the heritage of the shepherd for the Hebrews is for us to understand that we come to Jesus Christ and we look to him as absolutely the shepherd, but we have to yield to him as the bishop, the potentate, for he is God. And I challenge you this morning, 
If you've never humbled yourself and yielded yourself to Christ the Savior, the Messiah, the bishop, the potentate of your soul, if you've never come to a place where you've, you've humbled yourself before him and said, Lord, I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me and I receive you today as my Savior. If you have never done that, then this morning there could be no better day than today. Today. It's up to you. It's up to you to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't do it for you. Those shepherds upon that hill, when they decided to go down into that little village of Bethlehem, they humbled themselves. They left their flock and they went down to see a babe. But so much more than a babe. Maybe they understood how much more because the angels had just told them. I think they probably were as, as amazed and as confused as most of the people you encounter in the New Testament. Even the apostles, it took sitting at the feet of Jesus, being ministered and taught. It took going and seeing him crucified, seeing him resurrect and ascend. And it took all of that for them to begin to put all the pieces together. But you and I have the whole book. We have, we have it all. We don't have to wonder. We know who Jesus Christ is. He is the Savior. And so I challenge you this morning, as we come to the end of the service, and I wrap this up, challenge you to look in your heart. Have you humbled yourself to the bishop of your soul? the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer and we will be dismissed. I know John has a little chorus for us as we conclude, but I'm going to ask God to be with us as we go. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. For truly, Lord, without you, we would be without hope. But because of you, we know that we have eternal life. We rest and trust in that gift that you have given us. We thank you that you are the bishop of our soul and that you desire, desire to guide us, direct us, instruct us, and help us. But most of all, you were willing to give your life for us that we might have eternal life. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you be with us as we go forth. Give us safety. Bring us back tonight for our candlelight service. Help us in every way to exalt you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive our King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Dismissed this morning.